being able to obtain governmental documents and records seems like a good idea and may allow discovery of governmental wrongdoing. But there's a price for that. We'll talk about FOIA, the Freedom of Information Act, right now on The Law Works. From West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Closed captioning for The Law Works is made possible by a grant from the Monongalia County Bar Association to support legal information and education for all West Virginians. The Law Works is made possible by major grants from the West Virginia Attorney General and from Software Systems Incorporated, a West Virginia company established in 1975 which provides high-end support services, programming, and consulting for county government AS400 mid-range computer systems as well as PC-based systems, and by a grant from the West Virginia Bar Foundation. The West Virginia Bar Foundation, the philanthropic organization for West Virginia's legal profession and justice system, promoting public knowledge of the law in West Virginia. tell us, one tool to use is the Freedom of Information Act. But how does it work and is it effective? My guests are Don Smith, the Executive Director of the West Virginia Press Association, and Patrick C. McGinley, the West Virginia University College of Law, Judge Charles Hayden II, Professor of Law. Don, Pat, thank you for joining us. Glad to be here. Before we do anything else, I, I want to read the first part, the first several words of the West Virginia Freedom of Information Act. It's called Declaration of Policy. And that's something the legislature puts into most laws to say, here is why we did this. And it's a very important statement. To begin, pursuant to the fundamental philosophy of the American constitutional form of representative government, which holds to the principle that government is the servant of the people and not the master of them, it is hereby declared to be the public policy of the state of West Virginia that all persons are, unless otherwise expressly provided by law, entitled to full and complete information regarding the affairs of government and the official acts of those who represent them as public employees and officials. The people in delegating authority do not give their public servants the right to decide what is good for the people to know and what is not good for them to know. The people insist on remaining informed so that they may retain control over the instruments of government they have created. To that end, the provisions of this article shall be liberally construed with the view of carrying out the above declaration of public policy. If I understand this, that means that we are entitled, almost absolutely, to know what the government is up to and to get information from the government about what they're doing. Or am I misreading it? I think you're right. Uh, clearly, uh, uh, this law was passed uh, to force uh, reluctant government officials who would prefer to act behind closed doors and in, se and in secrecy uh, to disclose what they're doing to the public. Now the act does have uh, some exemptions 
that the courts have uh, held must be very narrowly construed because uh, clearly from the policy that you read, uh, it is the right of citizens to know what the gov their government's doing. And uh, in that way, we can police the government. Well, we could talk about exclusions for hours uh, because there are exclusions and then there are subsets of exclusions and justifications for exclusions. I want to briefly go through the big chunky parts of it. Trade secrets are excluded. Information of a personal nature is excluded. Test information. Law enforcement records. Information specifically exempted by statute. We pass laws all the time and say we're not going to let this bit of information be made public. Archives, historical documents, and manuscripts. Not the information in them, mm -hmm. but the actual documents to protect them, I presume. Records pertaining to financial institutions, internal memoranda or letters, and then there are a bunch of homeland security type exclusions dealing with uh, security, utilities, and Department of Correction records. Right. And there are a few other things. Uh, most of these things make at least some sense that we're they're being protected from disclosure because the public doesn't need to know them. They're typically of very personal nature. But the rest of it, we get. We should. You're with the Press Association. The nosy newspaper reporter is infamous for asking embarrassing questions. Well, we try to. You may not characterize it that way. Yeah. The records, just having access to it, I think it's important to realize the media, we're often at the meetings. We see a lot of government action, at least the meetings, live. Um, that's not always the case with the public, and being able to get into the records and go back and, and, and look at what happened is such a key. Having access to that is uh, so valuable to the citizens, and that's, I think, why uh, it spells out so clearly in policy that the individual, when alerted by the media, and, and I hope that the citizens, I hope they trust the media, but I hope they're not blindly trusting the media and they go and look themselves and have access. And FOIA is a great citizen tool. Well, it's not always the media that says, hey, let's go look at this. You're alerted to things that happen. Typically, citizens, again, we may be at the meeting, uh, but if a 40-page document is presented, we know the title, we know the intent. We're not often aware of the total impact at that point. Very often it's some a citizen, a private individual, an attorney, someone looks through that document uh, or, and then subsequent documents related to that and gives us a call or a tip and says, are you aware of this? And then the media will move on that and make the greater public aware. But often that initial inquiry started with a private citizen or an individual digging into government records, looking and seeing what the impact could be, looking and see how the arrangements were worked out that brings it to the media's attention. Well, and sometimes it's, it's simpler than that. It might be a citizen going out and noticing that their storm drain doesn't seem to work, their basement's flooded, and they want to know who designed this system, who had the contract to do it. It wasn't, they think it wasn't done right. Mm -hmm. And so they go and start to ask questions. And if the media is alerted to it, then the media will sometimes, as, as a news item, start. Uh, I have seen articles in papers around the state just this past winter about potholes. And there's constant pictures of potholes saying, mm -hmm. government, you need to do something about this. The media champions the people's cause because you're in a position being able to do that. Absolutely.
a lot of times it'll be a citizen noticing a construction work in an area, a red flag in a field, some work being done, and wondering what's happening in my neighborhood. What is that? I'm going to go find out who has a permit to do this. And that leads to finding out new developments, different things that are happening in, in a community that the people in the community want to know and they would like to know before it's complete. Or sometimes before it's really started. <laughs> but absolutely before it started. But that's not always the case if you don't have access to the information. Pat, how does it work? I perceive that there is information that's important to me. How do I go about, as a, as a resident of the area, how do I go about getting that information? Well, it's, it's very simple. Uh, uh, you can uh, write a letter or today uh, use email. Uh, send a letter or email to uh, government body that uh, has information or you think has information that's relevant to your concern. Uh, you uh, indicate that that uh, you're making a request under the Freedom of Information Act. By the way, there's a Federal Freedom of Information Act as well uh, that applies to federal government. And uh, you, you ask uh, for documents related to your concern. You ought to uh, draft the letter in such a way that uh, your request is narrow enough that the public body can identify the documents that you're requesting. You have to do the best you can. Uh, and sometimes uh, your request is going to be broad because you don't have enough information uh, to ask a, a more narrow request. And then uh, in West Virginia, uh, public bodies have five working days to respond. They can respond either by uh, saying that uh, we have such and such documents and they, those will be disclosed or they can say uh, there are uh, uh, a number of documents some of which uh, are exempt from disclosure under some of these narrowly drawn exemptions that you described uh, earlier. Uh, and that's the basic process. It's a, it's a simple one. Uh, the Freedom of Information Act is a, an incredible advance for American democracy, and uh, uh, it has been copied around the world. It, opening up government records uh, to the public so that uh, voters, citizens can know what uh, bureaucrats and politicians are doing is uh, a, an amazing advance in uh, democratic governance. We're talking about FOIA the Freedom of Information Act. My guests are Don Smith, the Executive Director of the West Virginia Pre uh, Press Association and West Virginia University College of Law Professor Patrick C. McGinley. I'm Dan Ringer and this is The Law Works. Sounds great. How's it working? Well, uh, since yeah, there's the a long <laughs> hesitation there, <laughs> that makes me uncomfortable. I'd like to say it's working great and, and in many ways it is, but since uh, federal and state Freedom of Information Acts were passed back in the 1960s, 1970s. Uh, it seems that uh, those who have special interests, those who are interested more in uh, keeping government doors closed and files uh, uh, outside the, the view of citizens, uh, legislatures and courts have been chipping away at the, what is, couldn't be a, a more broad right of citizens as you described in the, in the uh, policy that uh, is the initial uh, section of our West Virginia Freedom Information Act. Well, abuses 
of the Freedom of Information Act. I'm going to characterize it that way. Range from the very simple to increasingly complex. I'm aware of one incident uh, where a municipality in West Virginia, one of the residents became concerned about his garbage pickup, so he went to town hall and said, I'd like to see the municipal garden garbage uh, ordinance. And he was advised by the staff in the town hall that that's exempt from disclosure. We don't have to show that to you. It's the law in the town, and they're saying, we don't have to show you what the law is. Part of it's abuse and part of it's just lack of understanding on the government employees. Ignorance. I, very much ignorance. Or the technical term might be stupidity. I mean, the, the <laughs> Declaration of Policy says that the people in the government, or th that the people in, in the, the jurisdiction do not give their public servants the right to decide what is good for the people to know. Well, well Dan, every government employee in an office should read this. But apparently, so should every legislator <laughs> and several Supreme Court justices. <laughs> uh, I oh, think that sounds that ominous. Would, I, think, I think we could spend a lot more time on that policy. I think that would, uh, if we had a better understanding and a following of the policy, I think it would clear up a lot of the problems we have. Well, so many of these things are simple. I mean, you, you walk into the town hall or into the sheriff's office or the courthouse, Two or three places in all of these institutions are copies of the state code or the municipal ordinances, and all somebody has to do is turn around, pull it off the shelf, and say, here, take a look at it. And if somebody says, well, I'd like to have a copy of that, they say, okay, a copy's going to cost you 10 cents, 25 cents, or in some offices, a dollar and a half for two pages, you know, which seems to be a high fee. But that, that's all it would take to respond to, to many of these requests, and that is all it takes to respond to many of them. Of course, that's subject to abuse by people, too. I, I could conceive of a situation where somebody gets mad at whatever governmental office it is and comes in and says, I want to see all your policies, all your procedures, all the statutes under which you're acting. And that would take days, weeks to come up with. and a lot of money to make the copies. So that abuse is out there. It's possible. It's possible, but it's in comparison to the good and that's being done by FOIA request and the legitimate FOIA request, it's almost insignificant. Possible, but most of the information being requested is being requested for a, po for a very good reason, for, for public gain. If it's by the media, it's for public information and even individual citizens. I think that you would find very few ex examples of the abuse by the public. Uh, it's much more, unfortunately, much more likely that the government office isn't as com uh, isn't complying with the request in the way they should. Well, there are there are some roadblocks uh, for a person to get information from their government, and one just recently in January, I believe it was, came as a result of a Supreme Court decision, West right. Virginia Supreme Court decision. What was that about? Well, actually, it was just uh, in, in March or early April. Uh, that uh, decision was surprising to anyone who is familiar with the West Virginia Freedom of Information Act. Uh, the issue was whether local uh, public bodies, uh, municipalities, could charge a search or retrieval fee uh, as uh, uh, as a condition to disclosing information requested by citizens under the Freedom of Information Act. And the language of uh, the West Virginia Freedom of Information Act uh, 
seemed to be incredibly clear, absolutely clear and plain on its face. It said that public bodies uh, could charge fees uh, uh, at the actual cost of reproduction. It said nothing about charging retrieval fees. Now, retrieval fees, uh, what does that mean? Uh, 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 a clerk in the city uh, office spends two hours sifting through documents to find uh, responsive uh, paper. Uh, it may mean hiring lawyers by the city to look through documents at $200, $300 an hour for five hours uh, and deciding whether any of the documents are exempt or not. It's not clear, but the, the West Virginia Supreme Court surprisingly read uh, a very clear language to mean that, that public bodies could charge search and retrieval fees uh, as a condition to a citizen obtaining those documents. What, what, what does that include? Well, that's, it's not clear. That's the problem. Um, and again, cities t public officials tend to be overreactive a lot of times in these cases. Uh, do you decide on this that you're going to have an attorney review every request and do the documentation so that the simplest FOIA request, instead of being a secretary walking back, picking it up, putting on a copy, or making a copy and hand it to you? Or is that process now changed because of this that you send it to an attorney? As Pat pointed out, you send it to an attorney, their staff reviews it, sends it back, gets the information, then the secretary walks back, makes a copy, and hands it to you, but charges you $500. There's no clear guidelines. This is almost a blank check in how it's applied. It just says they are allowed to charge what they consider uh, search and retrieval fees. Reasonable. Reasonable. Well, uh, here, here's the, what's, what's reasonable? Well, here, here's, here's the problem. Uh, when people in government, bureaucrats, politicians have something to hide, they can use the 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 search and retrieval fee or the cost of reproduction to chill citizens' uh, right to, to obtain information for the, for the government. I, I litigated a case uh, quite a few years ago about a proposed pulp and paper mill in Mason County and uh, the West Virginia Development Office refused to disclose documents. They said they were internal under an exemption. They were internal uh, memoranda. And we litigated that case for two years, all the way to the Supreme Court of West Virginia. In that case, the Supreme Court uh, upheld our perspective. And what we wanted was the documents between the pulp mill and the government. That they weren't part of the government. It wasn't internal documents. And what the documents revealed was that the pulp mill company uh, could have uh, obtained as much as $700 million in tax credits and other credits uh, to bring that pulp mill into West Virginia. Surprisingly or shockingly, that company went bankrupt subsequently. So if they'd gotten those, uh, those tax credits, uh, that would have been $700 million, more than a, at that time the sales tax income of the whole state of West Virginia. They were hiding that, and it took two years of litigation to, to have that disclosed. And, and that's the kind of a facility that many people in the community wouldn't want in the community. Well, I think they wanted jobs, but they, they didn't want them at the expense of uh, uh, handing uh, the, you know, the whole government uh, purse to, to this uh, company to uh, give them an incentive.
And it clearly they hadn't done their homework because the company subsequently went bankrupt. Well, Don, you, your association, the press, mm -hmm. West Virginia Press Association, has tried to determine what typical search fees are going to be. What are you finding out? We've done some preliminary work. We sent out, we're in the, in the process now of sending the same FOIA request to every county in the state. Uh, it's a very simple request in our, in our opinion, and we've had uh, responses from counties around the state, the first group, some small counties, some larger, more developed counties. Um, the majority, eight of the first 10, came back within five days on one sheet of paper, very simple, here's your information. Now, my first impression was, well, that's great. We're not seeing, at least to this point, we're not seeing a problem. The last two came in, however, and both said, um, this is going to take some time, and they were larger counties. This might take some time, and we estimate that the minimal cost, minimum cost would be either 200 in one county or 250 in another county, plus copying fees. And I think, as Pat pointed out, the chilling effect, in, and in his dissenting opinion, the Supreme Court decision, uh, Justice Brent Benjamin uh, stated very well that this this allows municipalities or government offices to really just push away public requests and say we're going to make it so difficult, so expensive that you're not going to want to do it. I don't know that there's any, I can't understand how one county or eight counties can provide this information for us in a short period of time at no cost, but two offices can have that type of a charge for the same information. Some are more, some are more computerized, but the smaller counties which we know to be less developed in, in terms of their offices and online, didn't charge us. And not, not only that, Dan, uh, people who work in government offices that respond to Freedom of Information Act requests, that's part of their job. But we don't charge uh, fees when you, you go in to pay your property tax. They don't say, well, it'll be $20 for the clerk's time. And uh, the overarching public interest of transparency in government uh, uh, requires the sensitivity to the citizens' right to know. And when you start piling on fees and cost, that's going to chill citizens' rights to dig in and find out, is there some wrongdoing here? Is government acting properly? Uh, and, and it's just unacceptable uh, if we, we live in a state with a law that has the expectations of over government as, as set forth in the Freedom of Information Act. I can see people being abused by this. The, the one thing most lawyers mm -hmm. get excited about is people who live just on the margins, the, the destitute, the nearly impoverished, the impoverished, who have legitimate gripes who may need some information from the government so that they can articulate those complaints, those gripes that they have. And you go to whoever the entity is and they say, I need this record, this record, this record. And they say, okay, well, it'll be $5 for the copies and $250 for us to go retrieve those documents for you. That kind of makes a farce out of the concept of right to know, right to access information. Mm -hmm because that's an insurmountable amount of money. It may not be to the West Virginia Press Association, or it may be. It can be. When you talk about investigating uh, 50 counties, if you hit that amount of money, it adds up. Uh, every paper, all the papers aren't large papers. Some are small. They do work in their counties, and they do it on a regular basis. Um, it's, it, it becomes a 
expense that they have to deal with. And it's not just newspapers, it's radio stations, TV stations. It's definitely not a, we tend to think of the media, be it newspapers, um, TV, as the people this, uh, who this affects the most. It's not 81 newspapers, it's the 1.8 million people who live in this state because every citizen needs to be aware of this, whether it's going down to find out about gas rates and in your neighborhood and what you should be charging and how much money you should be making, uh, property values so you know how to set a price on your property, all this information is out there and you need to be able to get it and they can charge you for anything. Well, it's, it also encourages governmental agencies to be less than efficient in indexing, storing, uh, creating retrieval systems for their documents because now you go in and say I'd like to see the property tax slips for this particular area and they said well we don't have ready access to that it's going to take us three or four days to do it in 10 or 12 hours and they're not going to charge you minimum wage to go look for that they're going to charge you twenty dollars an hour or fifty dollars an hour or something like that well, I, I wish we had more time to talk about it. Don Smith, West Virginia Press Association, Professor Pat McGinley, thank you gentlemen for being with us. This is an election year. Maybe you want to ask some questions about this of people running for office. You've got a stake in it. Gentlemen, thank you again. Thank you also for being with us. On behalf of the Law Works, I'm Dan Ringer. Good evening. If you would like to suggest a topic for a future The Law Works show, or if you're a school teacher and would like to receive a DVD of this show for classroom use, send us an email to thelawworks at comcast.net or visit us on Facebook. On The Law Works website at thelawworks.org, you'll find a listing of recent The Law Works programs, additional information about this show's topic, and video of this and recent shows. You can also find The Law Works programs on YouTube and iTunes. The Law Works is produced in cooperation with the Office of the West Virginia Attorney General, the West Virginia Bar Foundation, the Mountain State Bar, the Monongahela County Bar Association, and the West Virginia University College of Law. The Law Works is made possible by major grants from the West Virginia Attorney General and from Software Systems Incorporated, a West Virginia company established in 1975 which provides high-end support services, programming, and consulting for county government AS400 mid-range computer systems as well as PC-based systems, and by a grant from the West Virginia Bar Foundation. The West Virginia Bar Foundation, the philanthropic organization for West Virginia's legal profession and justice system, promoting public knowledge of the law in West Virginia. Additional support for the law works is provided by the West Virginia Supreme Court of Appeals. From West Virginia Public Broadcasting, 